Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. How's everybody doing? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yes, I am wearing glasses this morning because uh, with age, reading becomes a little tougher, and I didn't want to stumble while I was in front of everybody. So, uh, yes, yes, yes. So, um, while... While Clayton's grabbing that, I just want to say that um, thank you to a couple of folks. Number one, Yasmina, thank you so much for um, just being my my consigliere, my right-hand person, my friend and my partner um, for the last 10 years. And um, also, I just want to say what's up to my best friend and his beautiful wife. Andre, thank you for coming out. Um, yes. Um, I, I was in his wedding, he was in my wedding. Um, you know, I remember back as a, um, how do I say this? As I was being introduced to the Holy Spirit, he and I would sit in the car after service and we would just like talk through what God is laying on our hearts, what he's been unveiling th- uh, in us and through us. And, you know, through every season, we may not have spent so much time together at all times, but um, you know he's a brother, and he is—he was made for adversity. So, I appreciate you, my friend. Anyways, um, yeah. So, I don't know what to call this message. Um, so I just call it "Fresh Start." Fresh Start. Um, anybody ever seen the movie The Other Guys? It's a—it's a—it's a good movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, so, and it's a buddy cop, basically comedy. And, uh, during the comedy there, they keep, uh, uh, they annoy each other for about half the movie and, uh, they keep, there's this running joke that's like fresh start, fresh start. Cause they're just like re- wiping the slate clean each time. So anyways, um, but I, I also have a Europe story, Clayton. Uh, I know Clayton told one, uh, about him and Liam traveling a couple weeks ago. Um, I have one that happened to Yasmina and I, our first... Uh, trip overseas together as a married couple. We went to Europe back in 2016, all right? So we did a little tour. We went to uh, France and to Switzerland and to to Germany, but we landed in Paris, and um, I'm the planner in our household. I'm the one, I write things out in detail. I need to know how things are gonna go step by step, day by day, everything. Yasmina, would be happy just showing up and figuring it out. That's her. That stresses me out to no end. So I planned our trip, and she just got to enjoy the ride the whole way, basically. So, um, so this happened actually right as we we're stepping off of the plane, all right? So we're stepping off the plane. Uh, I'm like already looking, I'm like, ah, oh, we're a little bit late, and like, where are we going to go eat, when do we get to the hotel, how are we going to get there, make sure I get all our bags, so we go to baggage claim, tons of baggage, complete opposite of what you said, we were schlepping like two suitcases because we were there for three weeks, so um, uh, uh, it, was, it was an interesting uh, start, and then we go to the taxi line, which is where you stand and you, at the time, you're waiting for taxis. I don't know, Uber hadn't hit France yet at that point, I guess. So we were just all waiting in line. There's like 40 people standing in line there. 
So Yasmina and I are standing in line. I'm already feeling like kind of stressed because now there's like all these people in front of us. We're running behind. I'm starting to bicker with her for no reason. You know, it, it's, it's already starting. When all of a sudden in the moment, I hear a voice behind us uh, that's speaking English. He's, he's like, oh, are you guys Americans? And we're like, uh, yes. How can we help you? He's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a taxi driver. Do you guys want to skip the line? I'm coming off my break. I'll take you guys. I was like, awesome. Fantastic. Got to cut the line. So we're, we're dragging our stuff, and I'm looking down at my phone. I'm like, all right, where are we going next? Looking up the address. Where's the hotel? How far we got to walk to get to dinner afterwards? Like, all that stuff, right? So I'm looking down, and uh, it's taken a little while to get to his cab. And all of a sudden, uh, we step off this elevator, and it's like a movie. We're in this parking garage. It's like nobody in the parking garage. It's dimly lit. And I look up, because I like just lost service, and I'm like, where are we? And I look over at Yasmina, and she has this like look of warning on me, because I hadn't been paying attention the whole time. I got complacent about the most important thing on this trip. It wasn't the hotel. It wasn't how luxurious to travel. It wasn't how efficient or quick. It was making sure that we got there safely. I got complacent about that. We can do the same thing in our faith. There can be a sense of complacency in our faith as well, right? You know, the same year, um, Yasmina and I started a kind of like a faith journey. This was 2016, a, a healing journey. There are a lot of things that had happened. And when I say we started a healing journey, she started a healing journey. <laughs> she did a great job. She was pressing into the Lord all the time. I, on the other hand, um, grew complacent in my relationship with God. And you may say, okay, what does that mean? Um, so for, for two years, you know, Things were difficult. Uh, work was hard, and relationships were hard, and you know things were not working out the way I wanted to. And the things I'd relied on in the past to just feed me in some way weren't feeding me anymore. And I just realized that my prayers, I didn't feel like were being answered. I didn't feel like the Lord was hearing me. I didn't feel like I really even heard from God in that season. It was a difficult time. Thankfully, God is good, and he's faithful. And he allows us to step back into relationship with him at any point, right? You know, I want to read from the Bible this morning because they, you know, Scripture is so great in that it really explains simple concepts in extreme fashions, right? You have a little bit of anger. Here's an example of someone killing their brother. (laughs) Like, you have a little bit of jealousy. How about stealing birthrights? You know? Um, So anyways, if you will, this morning with me, turn to uh, Exodus 32, 14. And I'm reading out of the NIV. When the people saw that Moses was was long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, We don't know what's happened to him. Aaron answered them, take off your gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. 
So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what was handed to him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioned with tool. Then he said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterwards, they sat down to eat and drink, and they got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down, because the people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have, they have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They've bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I've seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord, his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and might and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring his people the disaster he had threatened. Can we pray real quick? Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for this morning, God. I just thank you for the opportunity to gather together to worship you, Heavenly Father, Lord to press in, to learn a little bit more about you and about your nature and about your character. God, we just pray that even as worship has already carried us to this point, God, that you would just indwell in us, that we would carry a different spirit out of here, Heavenly Father, Lord, that our perspective would shift to you as the provider, to you as someone that brings intimacy and relationship, not as someone who is just a security blanket, I thank you, God, for the difference and the impact that you're making in people's hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. So some context here. Um, This is approximately six to eight weeks after um, the the Red Sea parting incident, all right? So... This whole tribe of Israel has gone through, they've seen the plagues, they've seen the showdown with Pharaoh, they've seen uh, uh, vanilla wafers and chicken fall from the sky, being provided for, you know, they've seen water part, them walk through, and a whole army being carried away. This is, you know, again, this is just a few weeks after them being like, you're our God, we're your people. So, they get to this mountain. God settles at the top of the mountain. They say it, was, it looked like a cloud. Moses goes up. So since chapter 18 up to chapter 31, Moses is getting a download from God on how these people are to become set apart. 
this is how you're holy. This is how you're supposed to be in the tabernacle. This is how you can worship me. This is how he can engage. Like God is really giving them a download as to like how they can truly become his people. And it's, again, it's like a movie. It's like, meanwhile, at the foot of the mountain, and then they're down here and engaging in shenanigans, right? The, the people of Israel grew in their sense of complacency. They forgot about their relationship with God. And the unfortunate part is that when you grow in complacency, you open up doors to put other things above him. And no matter what, no matter who you are, whether you're a believer or you're not a believer, you're going to worship something. It's just what is that something, right? So how do we not end up like the children of Israel? How do we keep our heart free? How do we keep that trust with the Lord, right? Well, the first thing that I would say is when you're in the desert season, what do you turn to? What does your heart turn to? And, and hear me out. When I say desert season, I'm talking about things like, you know, you're walking through things. Life is tough. It seems like you can't really get close to God anymore. It seems like you just can't find that engaging time with him when you're praying. It seems like you go walk into church and you walk out of church and you feel the exact same. You feel like the weight of life is on your shoulders. You're in a desert season, right? And you've grown complacent with who God truly is and what he means in your life. How do you recognize it? What do you turn to first? What does your heart look at? Do you, what's your outlet when you've had a tough day at work? Who do you talk to when it comes to your kids? You know, um, in the Bible, the word heart is mentioned 826 times in the King James Version. It's mentioned more than the word holy, blessed, or sacrifice. You think that's coincidence? Matthew 22 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Matthew 6 for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. You know why God wants the attention of our heart? That's where relationship with him starts. That's where it starts. And that's what he's after. That's what he's after. And I don't want you to take this as doctrine, but have you ever considered that you're in your wandering season because you wouldn't turn to God any other way? You know, I know, and, and I'm pointing at myself as much as I'm, I'm pointing out, you know, there are times that you go through life and you just have victory after victory, and you may not even see God 
in that. People don't bring him into those situations. I have a really, really great friend who um, for a long time, you know, we would pray together, we would talk about uh, 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 things, we would walk through things together, um, but then he found a lot of success in the world. And if you were to take a look at his life today, it looks no different than anyone else in the world because he figured out he, he could just do it without God. Don't get complacent. Okay, number two. What do you value? Let's go back to the scripture, verse one through three. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. Aaron answered them, take off the golden earrings that your wives and your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. Do you value God first and foremost? Is that the most important thing to you? They took their treasure to create an idol, right? Now, most people would defer to, like, their finances or, like, you know, oh, will I serve or, oh, will I do this, will I do that in terms of justifying their relationship with God. But, that, but again, what is he after? He's after relationship. He's after our hearts, right? You know, my wife, again, my wife, Yasmin, and I, we've been married 10 years. And throughout that time period, I don't know if there's been a day that I haven't talked to her. Every single day. And my heart would hurt if I didn't talk to her. She's my best friend. She's my confidant. She's the person that I want to see going to sleep, and she's the person that I want to see when I wake up. Now, if I didn't spend that time with her, that would be painful to me, and I think that would be painful to her as well. Now, I'll tell you this. There have been seasons when our relationship wasn't as close, and we've gone through difficult things, and we'd argue more, there'd be more disagreements, there'd be more misunderstandings, there'd be some mistrust in some places. God is a God of relationship, it's the same thing. If you're lacking that trust in him, maybe you need to get a little bit closer to him, right? Okay, don't grow complacent. Number three, ask yourself, are you remembering who God really is? All right, so again, in Scripture, verse 4, he took what they handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioned it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterwards, they sat down to eat and drink and got up and indulged in revelry. They did not remember who God was. 
their interpretation of it, because they didn't remember of it, was this strange universalist, like, hey, well, you know, they mention the Lord in there. They mention things like altars and sacrifices, but they also have a calf. So they are intermingling that. And so you might say, like, well, Akeem, like, I know who God is. And it's like, yeah, but do you really know who God is? Well, you know, like, God graced me with this business that I have. And so, like, it's okay that I drop all the other things in my life to pour into that. Well, it's okay because I'm, like, I'm making a lot of money, but the more money I make, the more I can give back to church, right? That's not what he's after. That's not relationship with him. So to wrap up the airport story. <laughs> um, so we're in, the, uh, we're in this underground, I don't know, bunker. And uh, we're looking around. And so I'm pulling, so the alarm bell started going off. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, man, where are we? <laughs> And uh, uh, he turns around, he's like, what do you mean? I was like, dude, where's your taxi? All the taxis are up there. And it turns out he wasn't lying. The taxi was like parked there. He was on break. And he was like, yeah, like, let's load up all the stuff. But I'll tell you what, everything worked out in that instance. But from that moment on, I did not let my guard down. I was not complacent again and haven't been with us traveling since then. Is that true? Yeah, yep. You know, again, the great thing about God is that he's both patient and he's kind and he's forgiving. So the simple realization when it comes to stepping back into friendship or relationship with him is number one, whether you've told him or not, he knows. Whether you've told him or not, he knows. Verse 7 and 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down because the people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. God knew the exact moment their hearts turned. He knew. God is there in that moment. But you know what? I understand because in that complacency season, it can feel like God is not there. It can feel like you're all alone. It can feel like he can't see you when you feel like you're in the pit. It can feel like you are carrying all this stuff through the desert on your own. But he is there. And he does know. And he does want you to turn to him. Point number two, he's just waiting for an invitation to relationship. That's all he's waiting for. I won't reread the whole thing of uh, uh, verse 9 through 14, but I don't know if you understand what happened in this moment. In verse 10, God is basically saying, you know what? Fresh start. I'm just going to wipe the slate clean. Moses you're faithful, you're my friend, you talk to me, I'm going to fulfill my promises through you. 
And I don't think God makes empty threats. I don't think he's just waiting for Moses to say like, yeah, come on, man. You know? But the beautiful thing is that God honors relationship with him. And you know what the first thing is that Moses did? Is he told him back the promises that he spoke. So when you are in that desert season, maybe start with the promises that God spoke over you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. That's from Isaiah 41. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are, all, are over all his works. Psalms 145. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if the sun sets you free, David, didn't you sing this this morning? If the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. That's from John. So Moses reminded God of his promises. And the most beautiful part is God listened. Do you understand that Moses interceded for an entire nation? God was ready to just go, whoosh, done. Moses interceded for an entire nation. That's what relationship with God looks like. So, what do we do as believers in this season? See, the, the children of Israel, the thing about them is they were freed from bondage and from tyranny and from oppression. But they never learned the responsibility that comes with freedom of choice. Every day, you have the freedom to choose God. I have the freedom to choose God, right? In walking that out. They didn't learn that piece. You know, uh, Andre and I have a really good friend, Paul, our uh, pastor in Turkey, uh, and he used to be in the military. And um, I remember when he first got out and he initially started this business venture and, you know, doing some real estate, things like that. And um, having a conversation with him, he said, you know, it's a subtle shift, but one of the strange differences is in the military, they tell you what to do every day, but once you get out into life on your own, you have to figure that piece out, right? And it's the same thing with us. He's freed us from oppression. He's freed us from shame, from sin. But now that freedom of choice, it's a, that burden of freedom of choice is on you. He's in the same place. You have to choose to take steps towards him, right? We spend a lot of time talking about things like freedom of expression, political freedom, freedom in education. But more than that, you have freedom of choice every single day. So in, in talking about like my, my own journey with that, I was walking through a desert season myself. And I had to come to some realizations during that time period. Number one was, is the desert worse or better than the oppression that I came from? Right? 
And then number two, just because I'm in a desert, is my heart going to turn? Because we're all going to go through a desert at some point. That's the one guarantee you have in life, right? There are difficult times. But what's your heart turning to? So this morning, um, one of the things that I wanted to do as, as we kind of come towards the end of this piece is I understand that, that people can go through seasons of complacency. I understand that it can be like, you know, that backyard that you, tri- that you cut, right? Like, you're usually good about it. You're good about trimming. Then you go on vacation. All of a sudden, you come back, and it's like this high, and it's untrimmed. There's probably some vermin running through it, things like that, right? You can become complacent about things within your life, including your relationship with the Lord. The beautiful thing is it's easy to step back into that. It's easy to step back into that. So this morning, I wanted to, uh, to pray for a couple groups of people. Um, number one, if you feel like you're in a desert season, like maybe you came from something good or not so good, and you are walking towards something that you feel is going to be that much more, that maybe God has even called you to, but you are just in a low. And you're like, I am walking through the desert, and I'm spending so much time walking that I'm not spending enough time talking to the Lord. That's the first group of people that I want to, want to pray for. The other one is, if you already find yourself in that complacency season, you're like, you know what? I don't know if God's talked to me in the last month, year, two years. I don't know what it feels like to walk out and feel like the Holy Spirit is on me in a service or in praying or in prayer or in worship. Because you can get back to that place. So if y'all will indulge me, if you all will bow your heads and close your eyes for me. And I want to pray for you all individually. So we'll do this very simple. I won't make you stand up and scream out loud or anything like that. But if you feel like you're in, in a season like that, if you feel like that's you, will you just look up at me so that I know who I'm praying for? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray together, all right? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for who you are, God. We thank you that you are merciful and you are kind. Lord, that as we step closer to you, you will step closer to us. That relationship with you is not difficult and hard, and it's not something we have to earn. It is a gift. So, dear Lord, right now, I just pray for heavy hearts. I pray for hearts that have felt far away from you for a long time. I pray for people who feel like they are carrying burdens that they're not supposed to carry, and they can't find you in them. God, I pray for each and every single individual who has a heart that doesn't feel like it's connected to you, that is not in full intimacy with you, that's not in full relationship with you. God, we love you so much. And we thank you. We thank you that the call on our lives is not to die in the desert. 
Heavenly Father, you have freedom for us. You have uh, uh, forgiveness for us. You, you can remove shame for, from us, Lord. And so we just pray for a fresh anointing of intimacy. We just pray for a fresh indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We just pray that you remind people who you are in their lives, God. We just thank you so much for who you are, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 